Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Guy and we are continuing our journey on exploring the evolution of the Karoo people, this fictitious kangaroo race that I have made up to make my point on how we go about building our worlds, or at least how I go about building my worlds, so that they feel more like the world that we live in, which allows us as humans to tolerate the stories better. So our Karoo, who are still living in their tropical paradise, moving from midden to midden, from temporary crop to temporary crop, using the flint that they find, are having an absolute blast. They are masters of their domain. Life is great. The Karoo, who were sent out of this paradise, who were exiled out into the great unknown, are not having a great time at all. They are struggling to find food, the environment is harsh, it's arid, there are not a lot of animals around that they can feast upon, they're having to forage further, the women are having to go and find shoots, the men are having to go and find meat that they can augment the limited roots and tubers and shoots that the women have found. I'm going to pause right there because I know that we are looking at it from a sex point of view. The genders, why is it the women going hunting and gathering? Why is it the men, um, the women going gathering, the men going hunting? It's primarily a product of who carries the babies or who cares for the babies. Now, what would be very interesting is we know that the male kangaroos, um, he said as he paused, trying to remember if it was the males who carried the, the, the joeys. I know the females carry joeys. I know that there are seahorses where the males have pouches and they carry the babies. So let's say our karoo, the male of the species, carries the joey. I think I called them the scampers in my uh, setting, uh, the male carries the baby, in which case then it's the males who are doing the hunt, the gathering, and it is the females who are doing the hunting. Again, we know that there are many precedents for this in nature. In lion prides, it is the females generally who will bring down the big game, and then the big strong male will come along and just eat whatever they want, and then the females will come back and eat. Now, the reason for that power dynamic is because when another male comes along who wants to take over the pride, he doesn't fight the females, he fights the male. Now, if the male is big and strong and has spent most of his time practicing and training rather than hunting, he will be able to defend the pride against this aggressor male and life will continue. If he fails, he will either be expelled from the territory and go off to die alone or he will be killed and the new male coming in will eat all of the cubs because he doesn't want any of the old male's genes in the gene pool. He wants his own genes in the gene pool, and he will literally kill all of the cubs, which is a tragic, tragic cycle. And you look at that and you go, my goodness, that is just dark and evil. And that's what happens on a daily basis out in, in, in Africa. So our Karoo are struggling to survive. The female hunters are going out. They're trying to find what resources they can. The males are desperately middening and dunging everything they can to try and get stuff to grow. Certain shoots are growing. They're experimenting with other shoots out of desperation. They're eating certain types of different grains. Again, just looking for the right combination. They start to very carefully get a farm going 
Certain areas are growing better than others. Certain types of plants are growing better than others. And the females are bringing back the calves of various animals that they have hunted because originally the calves are there to be eaten later on. But sometimes the calves are so affectionate and so cute and cuddly that they get to stay around and then no one wants to eat them because everyone loves Daisy and her great big brown eyes. Because Daisy looks like a scamper but with four legs and the strange noise comes out of Daisy when the scampers ride her and that makes everyone laugh, which for a moment takes everyone away from the terror and trauma of starvation. And so slowly domestication starts to come around. That's one theory. The other theory, of course, is that the dogs, the hunting wolves and things started to hang around the camps because bones were being thrown away. They could eat the bones. These jackal-like creatures would become more and more friendly. One Karoo who's bored whilst tending a uh, a field starts to befriend one of these and then they realize they're useful in hunting and you know there's a whole different range in which these animals could be brought into the fold but we start to find that there is this domestication going on whilst there's this basic agriculture going on none of this is a remarkable step forward and certainly out on the plains where the happy karoo are running around just eating everything they're unlikely to have developed pets simply because they don't need them they are doing a job all on their own they are surviving they are living in paradise so our sedentary karoo now who are struggling to survive on the edges of civilized space and by civilized space i mean eating space they are now starting to get to a point where their crops are becoming more and more successful. In other words, there's more and more food and those dark early days of scratching a living, which they don't remember because that was in great, 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 great grandfather's time. And well, our speech is still fairly limited. We're getting much more complicated. We're starting to sing songs now as we labor together. It helps with timing. It starts to make us more sociable. And because life is so harsh, we need these escapes. At least that's one theory. So we now get to a point where our Karoo who are living out in the wilds are starting to produce more food than they can eat, which means that they go, well, you know what? I was going to go hunting today, but you know what, dear? I actually just want to do some mating today. Let's let's just stay at home all day. We'll close up the shutters. We'll send the kids out to the stream to play. And we're just going to have our own version of play. Our populations start to expand because now we can have more kids that survive. They don't starve to death or, heavens forbid, get eaten by other uh, other members within the tribe because there's no food. So these kids now start to survive. Unlike the kids in paradise who will get eaten by various predators, fall victim to being uh, injured whilst marching around the giant savannas, our sedentary environment is starting to become a lot safer. 
the Karoo are starting to put up little walls around these settlements that they've started to build. They're keeping predators out, which allows infants to raise up and to grow and become better and stronger and healthier, as well as to learn everything from their parents, rather than being constantly, from the age that they can hop, forced to go out and gather food, such as our Karoo who are living in paradise. This then starts to lead to a point where we go, okay, well, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. Our farmers are starting to have an excess. So some farmers are not farming at all anymore because all of the food is going into a collective space. This, we know, happens within most of the cultures that still exist where there is a, a collective tribe. The food is distributed and everyone gets pieces as they need. There is no hoarding. There's no concept of mine and yours in the food space. So our sedentary Karoo start to go, well, hang on. He hasn't grown anything. I haven't seen him dunging his his field in in months. He's just been sitting there enjoying the sun and making so many children. It's just scary. Um, I feel that this is unfair. And as a result of the tribes getting bigger, you suddenly go, who's that? Oh, that is Brian's aunt's uncle's nephew's child? Really? And a couple years later, who's that? I have no idea. You know, the village is so big these days. I can't keep track of who's who. There are so many people around and so many people not producing things of value. They just sit around all day thinking about stuff or not thinking about stuff. This is unfair. So the Karoo take the next big step, and that is they start to develop a sense of hierarchy based on the control of the individuals within the group. This is something that most other animals don't have. Yes, chimpanzees and dominant males will prevent submissive males from mating with the, the females. There's a certain amount of control there. But what the Karoo do is they take it to the next step and they say, right, you have to work in your field at least three sun circles every five sun circles. Because otherwise you're not doing as much work as so-and-so is doing. So the personal time, the personal activities of the individuals starts to become dictated to by an elected group. Well, who says you have the right to tell me I have to work three sun circles every five sun circles? That's insane. I, that's way too much work. I can't do that. I've got a bad back. You don't have your bad back is because you are always on it whilst your wife. No, you know, the whole idea is that we start to develop social structure. And that's really important because social structure brings with it an evil which I don't think anyone realized, at least not for the first seven minutes, after the first sedentary little group of individuals decided to have someone in charge. And that person in charge went, you know what, folks? This is actually pretty good. I can tell you all what to do and not do anything myself. And as a matter of fact, I think that I, because I'm more important than you are now, because I am, I am holding the lives of the clan in my hands. If I decide we're going to stop farming tomorrow, we stop farming tomorrow. That step 
from the society moving away from being a socialist society, from being a collective society, into something where there is a leader who has more power than the one who does not, that is where we then start to get into all kinds of trouble. Because concurrently, at the same time, whilst we have this journey of learning to communicate, learning to build social structures, we also have a much more interesting thing that's developing on the side. And that is the Karoo who's figured out that if they communicate with the dead or if they read the stars or if they look at the way that the bamboo shoots fall whilst they are on the ground they can predict the future now how you want to deal with religion in your game is entirely up to you and i have to say this must be a very personal choice because it is a very personal space that we're getting into now, myself, I have no belief in a higher power. I believe it's propaganda. You might believe that the higher power exists on planet Earth or for the humans of Earth, in which case then you're going to have a very different take on, on this entire space. But from my perspective, some very sharp little Karoo figured out that if they said that they were interpreting the will of the spirits and at the same time realize that when it's raining, animals huddle together under trees so it's a good day to hunt, as opposed to trying to hunt at midday when all the animals are hiding in the densest foliage and will hear you moving, they could manipulate that quite easily to say, it is an omen from the great Karoo in the sky. It is raining, and for today the hunt will be good. But tomorrow it will not be raining, because I've also observed the weather patterns and the fact that the weather changes. Tomorrow will not be good, so you must hunt today. That invests them with a specific amount of power, because they have then the ability to withhold that power. And if they make sure that that power is exclusive, that only a small group of them gain access to that power, well, now suddenly you have two new forms of power. You have the lord of the Karoo city who is now going, ha, 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 ha. I decide how long you work for and you work for me, bitches. Uh, I mean, uh, wonderful people of the collective. And then you have the priesthood going, well, yes, they work for you. And we understand your power structure because you give us authority by you attending our um, lectures on how to be a good a good Karuvian or a Karoki, as I called them, um, you you're you're very useful to us. So we're going to keep you in power by endorsing your power, but you are going to keep us in power by endorsing our rights as well. And so this vicious cycle starts to set up, and the Karu go from being these little hunter-gatherers to being farmers who are absolutely desperate to survive to being, well, we're doing okay, you know. We have managed to now make this awful environment that we are in a little bit more like the paradise that we were kicked out of. So we're actually not doing too badly. And now we have a leader who's gone mad with power, which we've given him because, well, we've far preferred to be out and about hunting or gathering than sitting in his hut all day trying to figure out if there's enough food for us all. Um, and then there's this other group that we are also, you know, and terrified of because, well, if we don't do what they say when we die, 
we're now being told that there's more to life after that and that it carries on forever which doesn't make sense really because well you know um we know nature is dead and it doesn't get back up again for a long time and nothing in nature lasts forever but but you know whatever they they must know what they're doing right so we start to get this culture of people who are now working their proverbial tails off and to be perfectly honest with you those tails are getting shorter and smaller as the sedentary crew are no longer chasing after animals they're now looking after animals and the animals are staying around longer and they're not running away so the tails are getting shorter and those springy wonderful tendon-like legs are perhaps losing that jump we don't really fear animals anymore we don't have to jump up and down in long grass to see approaching predators we have walls and we have excess people who can now stand on those walls or stand at the gates and they will watch out for all of us and it's an interesting question that book that i was telling you about happiness or why are we happy it came to the conclusion that our level of happiness really has never been lower than it is now as opposed to when we were running around in that paradise our only concerns were getting food and not being eaten and reproducing and finding shelter five very little concerns we didn't have the issues of punctuation or grammar nazis running around we didn't have internet connectivity issues we didn't have politics we just had the option to exist whereas now we have so much more having said that those primitives that were running around in the uh, paradise never knew the joy of podcasts or being able to communicate with other primitive tribes on the other side of the planet almost instantaneously or trying to get to other planets or being allowed to argue over memes or whether a completely made up world is accurate or not or to even contemplate making their own worlds and so when you look at it that way you have to say well yes they had a simpler life and arguably an emotionally more stable life but our emotional instability allows us to have much more entertaining existence in one extreme and much worse and sad existence in another but i think that makes life more interesting for us our karaoke are certainly going through this right now with their settlement and what is starting to happen is there is a resentment starting to build up in terms of the workers doing all of the work and the now rather powerful lord not doing very much the guards not doing very much the religious sect not doing very much from a physical perspective that there is an injustice starting to happen because well i have seen my neighbor not working his three cycles every five i've seen that no you haven't seen me doing that. i swear i was working i was working at night prove it well did you provide as much food to the central granary as i provided well yes of course i did i carried lots of sacks you just didn't see me you were busy at the time with your wife well i say that you didn't 
O Lord, who is in charge of us, did he or did he not provide enough food this month to fulfill his quota? Well, what the hell's a quota? I don't even know what that word means. No, I just made it up. It's the amount of food that you have to produce every month in order for our city to survive. Oh, um, no, we have no idea how much she's produced because did you produce a lot? Yes, I swear I produced a lot. But you were also out walking a lot and, and not really in your fields very often. Your fields at the moment are bone dry and have nothing in them. Oh, no, it's a new technique I'm doing. I planted some crops elsewhere. I think you're lying, but I have no evidence to prove it. So we're going to have to develop our next step. And our next step makes all of the other steps seem insignificant in comparison. But you guessed it. That will be next time. Until then... I wish you and yours the happiest of gaming.